And did you have a chance to check out all Chad's stuff, some of the blogs and everything? Yeah. Yeah. I've read a bunch about him. I feel like I know him very well by now. <laughs> yeah. He has an interesting story too. He came from a background of depression and, and substance abuse and yeah. it's pretty tough. Yeah. But I guess it's, I guess it really helps for him to understand people. Yeah. To relate to people. Yeah, he's very into this band called Copeland. Have you heard of them? He wrote, he wrote a nice blog post because I am Copeland. Because they were Copeland, I am Chad. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to think how your your music can inspire. Because we just make it, you know, we just put it. You know, you're not you're not thinking how it can inspire so many people. Because I saw you on TikTok as well. You celebrating because your song was on BBC One. Yeah, that was crazy. That was really crazy. Yeah, I, it was funny because I got the call the afternoon. That was like, Paula, today's the day. It's BBC Radio 1. Are you ready? And I was like, I was born ready, baby. Uh, <laughs> and I texted all my friends, all the A&Rs, all the label people, like everyone knew. Like I posted it on all my social media. And I was sitting there and it was a two hour show. And then it's like, it's half an hour left. I'm like, are they going to play me? And then it's like, okay, it's one song left. I'm not going to be the last song. I was so upset. I was like, why did they tell me that I was going to be on the show when I wasn't? I was so freaking upset. And then it was just like, yeah, thank you so much for tonight. Uh, it was a pleasure having you here. Uh, and I was Good like, <laughs> uh, no, this was a bad one. But like when I get it to it i can actually do a pretty good british accent just watch me like in the end of the call i'll make a perfect after talking to you for a while <laughs> i promise but then it just started playing and i was like dude he's uh, playing my song <laughs> that's incredible two hours waiting for it yeah now, that's your second single so to be premiered on on bbc radio one is that's I huge know. yeah it really is but I haven't been able to get it out of my head, you know, that's, it's, and it's all your songs also about mental health as well. I mean, that chorus of that, that one was, am I okay? No, but I'm not supposed <laughs> to say that. Yeah. No. So where did you get the idea for that from? Basically, I guess that song is a bit about mental health in materialism. You know, when we, when we keep wanting so, so basically the context of the song was that I was in Los Angeles for the first time and I was meeting all these amazing people and I was talking with labels and I was just doing things that I had been dreaming of doing for so long. And then all of a sudden, or I mean, I, I still didn't feel content. I didn't feel happy in it. And, and that just made me really upset because I have all this that I've been dreaming of. Why am I not happy? And that's not really something you call your friends and say, hey, you know how you're missing me because I'm on the other side of the world and having my dream life? Well, I hate it, you know? You can't really say that. So I guess that's kind of what I wanted to write about because I feel like, you know, growing up with the privileges that I have grown up with, um, it can kind of become a weird situation with your mental health when you're like, I have everything I need. Why am I still not happy? And what, what will make me happy then? Yeah. And I think you also, you had such a rapid rise, didn't you? Cause you're at 14, you're on the, 
the Sweden's Got Talent. Exactly. Number one show, The Voice there. And then you have, so you're, are you 18 now? It's Yeah, yeah. just turned 18. So that's a pretty so. rapid rise. You know, you've got to metabolize all that. It's, mm. it's difficult for a, for a mature person, let alone a young, a teenager. Absolutely. Yeah. Even though you do seem like a very mature teenager. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's kind of where you have, where you kind of become. Yeah. Yeah. Because the yeah, production, absolutely. I mean, you've worked with, the sound is just, I mean, the songwriting's great. And also the, but the production, because I'm quite new to the production values. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize how, until I started this project, how difficult it is to make a pop song. It's, it's quite complicated. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the, I don't have production credits on the song. So the guy who produced it, Jason Suido from Sir Sly, he's an absolute genius. But I mean, I was in the studio with him. It was the two of us and we wrote it together. And then he was producing it and I was saying yes and no, basically. <laughs> but that's, that's actually, yeah, talking about the power of production. And that's something that I've been learning over like the past two years. What is production? How do I do it myself? But also just to understand the language because... Well, basically in the music industry, um, production is very much a man's job. I mean, you can see different statistics, but one of the most well-known is that 3%, 3% of um, wow. the pr production is made by females. So it's, it's crazy. No. Even in this day and age where it's all home studios, it's yeah. just because boys yeah. like to do it. And, and, and it's so weird because I mean. I've heard things about female production, just like by people that I respect, like, well, girls, they don't, they can't concentrate for as long as guys like to do. They don't like sitting in little caves forever. And I'm like, dude, what are you saying? <laughs> like, it's, it's this very, very, very male dominated craft, mm -hmm. which is which is kind of interesting because when you look at art, a lot of times it's, um, art is usually this, one of the most forward leaning, um, movements when it comes to equality and uh, yeah, feminism as part of equality and uh, still on the inside, on the industry side of things, in some cases they can still be very yeah and oh, equal that's really bad i mean i can understand at the uh, at the promotional level when people get men get promoted up and up because yeah. the, you know the men promote men but yeah i would have thought that in this day and age when you know new artists are coming through and, and you can make your own product you can make a finished product i mean like kaigo from yeah. from norway i mean uh, these these home producers coming through there's it should be no barriers to entry like that do you know any girls who are doing it, making their home, home, home productions? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know a bunch. Just off the top of my head, it's always hard. But I mean, in Sweden, we have a couple of really good female producers who, who are, I've worked with some, like Elvira Andefjad, who's actually produced my next single, but that's kind of secret. Oh, okay. Oh, exclusive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I feel like it's something that's, that's starting to rise. And I mean, I'm in music school and we're starting to see that more girls are 
uh, learning production, which I think is so fun because of course they should, you know? And yeah, but yeah, I guess what I was, uh, my point before <laughs> was that, um, I think it's important as a woman in the industry to, as a songwriter, I guess, to, to understand production. You don't have to produce, but you have to understand it to speak the same language and be on the same level in the room because it become, becomes very difficult when you don't have the same language and the same tools as the others. So oh, that's yeah. why I've been learning production. Oh, great. Well, it's it's a fantastic thing. And also, I'm sure the, the sound changes because... Absolutely. Yeah, between men and women, I mean... Well, when I think of Kygo Tropical House, sh- yeah, I don't know if that's is that a masculine sound or are there is there a feet? There is there a different sound between the genders or? Hmm. I think that that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about it that much. I'd say production sound is very individual, mm. and of course, like there's femininity and masculinity to it, mm. but it's very hard to say off the bat like that. But but I guess like yeah, when you just look at house music, that is a very male dominated field, and maybe female house musicians do it another way. But that doesn't mean that their music has to be masculine just off the bat in that way. Yeah, I guess because you've been to LA now, you're rising up, you're seeing because on the surface it seems quite equal, you mm. know, on the on the with the final artists, and many of my favorite artists are, are women. But behind the scenes, yeah, you're saying it's it's still a, a very male dominated. Yeah. In, in some cases I'd say it is, but, but I, I do feel that there are a lot of initiatives trying to involve women, trying to push female songwriters, female producers. And I don't feel like it's something that the industry is unaware of. I, I feel like it's something that there is a lot of work in for, but of course it's, it's a difficult situation. And it's also like, producing a track that's pretty expensive and it's that when you want to you know go in and say i only want female producers on my album you can do that but then like Mm -hmm. if you meet someone that's like oh i really want to work with this guy we fit together so well sonically are you gonna ditch that then like do you prioritize the art or feminism it's it's a it's a hard question and i feel like both ways could be right because it's art you do whatever you want but it's difficult it's working i mean you've got a great sound so so you've just have you just started music school because you're 18 now do you transition in sweden to like a degree uh, no basically i'm still in high school i'm doing music high school but but our high school is very um specified you 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 decide very much what you want to do in compared to the uk system or the us system so you decide if you want to do art and then you decide what kind of art you want to do and arts high school is still you can still go to uni afterwards you do those kind of classes also but then you could can do science based you can do social studies based you can do technology based and then there are more like hands-on job preparing (laughs) high schools if you want to work in building or that kind of construction and that kind of work well i guess it sounds like you're you're fully down the music road are you going to go to university after this Yeah, but actually, I'm trying to get into an economic university because I want to do... Oh, are you kidding? uh, Yeah, I want to do a bachelor in um, economics. I think that could be fun. Well, 
I wasn't, wasn't, expect, wasn't expecting you to yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know. I, I like, I like surprising myself. I feel like, yeah, I've been doing music high school now for almost three years and it's been so much fun, but I also feel like I miss studying. I miss, you know, I miss being in the class when everyone, you know, has drive to deliver those kind of things. Whereas, you know, here now in music school, everyone is very driven about their instruments. But yeah, I, I miss that. I, I think. Well, isn't that an interesting way to study? Just because if you hadn't had that that taster in mm. your late high school, you might have gone on to a different, you know, and then yeah. to a, to a different career. And I mean, economics is—I've had quite a few economic economists economists on this show, yeah. and I've learned a lot about it. And it's—I it's, never thought I would be as interested in it as I have become. Yeah, I know, right? I, I think I heard one of um, the episodes. I don't remember what what guest, but I remember listening to you at the. An economist, economist, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it's. I think it's an interesting field, and uh, I also think that having a master, I mean, a bachelor in that, um, also opens up a lot of doors. If you, have, yeah, no. uh, well, the door, uh, one door it would open is that you can come back on this show, and then have talk a- about economics instead. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'd be so down. Yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, because many musicians, I, I get them on and they, some of them I reach out to and they don't have many interests outside music because mm-hmm. like to get to the, to the top these days, I guess with anything, yeah. it's really got to work hard and, and it tends to, it tends to get a tunnel focus. And so. Yeah. But I guess what I think is also important is it to me, at least, I mean, everyone has different experiences, but to me, it's important to to study and to understand the world I live in, to be able to create relevant pieces of art about it. I don't want to, I don't want to just have a high school diploma and then go for it because mm, one part of me will never leave that. And I think that it can be very beneficial to study on a bit of a higher and more specified level to, yeah, to be able to bring relevancy to things because I feel like that's actually something that I can be a bit upset about sometimes when I look at my idols and in music and how you can have a platform and then do so little on it, you know? And I'm not saying that you have to be an activist. Right. But... But, you know, being aware of the power that you have and things that you can create. And I think it's important to study for that, of course, for me, but everyone is different. Wow. I'm just trying to think back to when I was 18 to see if I was <laughs> as mature as you are now. And I, I've come to the conclusion that I wasn't. Yeah. Well, I guess thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's brilliant because it is, a, it is a position. And that's why we're doing this podcast is because you are in a position of power. You are reaching out mm-hmm. to, to young people in this this Chad Moses, who we're going to talk to now to write love on your arm is really targeted at young people. And, Mm. you know, they're using music, you know, they, he travels around music festivals. Mm. I think he does about 50 a year or so. I don't know if that was pre COVID. Yes. A lot. A lot. Sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you will find out and then you can come back and tell me, but it, it really, so he's using 
so he they are here's a very important platform to talk to many vulnerable young people about the problems that they're going through so yeah and i think especially with your music you can you can definitely do that so absolutely yeah and i guess like there's always you know the question of when when you want to change things you can have active and passive how would you what would the word be in english like meanings or like motive motivation yeah motive yeah you can have active and passive motive and how you force yeah like a motive i guess Mm. (laughs) oh crap i'm thinking in swedish and speaking in english this never works well Uh, (laughs) (laughs) well i'll just Um, depressed you can your english is perfect as many many of most swedish people i'm sure but uh Thank you. Yeah, it's it's weird. I I was in France last week, and I just feel like my my English has gotten chronically worse just by not speaking English for a week. It's funny. I just got back home, and I was like, I was going live on TikTok, and everything I was trying to say, like, am I saying this word right? I have no clue uh, what's going on. But I'm getting back into it. Yeah, sorry. What was I, was I saying? Yeah, but but in music, like, not everything has to be. You don't have to always force your ideas onto something, but when you create music and you want to say something, I, I feel like you can still get that across. And I think it's important. Yep. Yeah. God. I just, yeah. Fantastic. I mean, so when, what, so what's going to happen now? Are you going to go touring as well later with university or? I mean, what? Right now, it's so hard to say anything in this. With COVID, you mean? Yeah, with yeah. COVID. But yeah, I, I absolutely have plans on on live. I have, I've signed with uh, two live agents in um, uh, Scandinavia and the rest of the world. So it's, it's settled, it's ready. And I'm, do- oh, wow. I'm in rehearsals now, but it's, it's so hard to know. But mainly the thing that I'm the most stoked about is that I have so much music written, like an insane amount of music. I, I'd say I have two albums ready if I wanted to. Wow. And I just want it to be out. I just want people to hear it and to understand like the universe and the vision. And like, I want to be able to reference the stuff the way like rappers do. Like they'll just reference to track that's like, 10 years old and like all the fans will know like i have two tracks like there are so few cross references that i can make right now <laughs> um but i'm just so ready for people to 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 dive into my universe and sometimes i just want to like public yeah make my whole dropbox public so that people can just dive in but that would also be super embarrassing because there's a lot of bad stuff in there also mm. But yeah, that's the thing that I'm most excited about, I guess. Building up the catalog, having yeah. things that people can listen to. You've got this, this uh, so many followers on TikTok, you can, you know, give them s- just, I had this project where I did quote songs before I started pod songs. So I just sing quotes, you know, famous quotes. Mm-hmm. And just play, playing a guitar in a public place and record it. So that's that, was fun. Just, that was just fun. Yeah. 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 So you can, you can start. Yeah. I mean, I've. I've been doing that, teasing things on TikTok, but it's another thing, you know, I, I, mm. yeah, I just feel like I want to be where Kanye is today, like with the amount of music that he has out, like that's where I want to be, you know? Mm. 
<laughs> but it's you've got it must be frustrating then because you have well you do have this perfect system like you say you have the live agents you've got amazing managers you've got record companies so you know you're in this system and they're all it's going to it's functioning perfectly and so they release singles at the right time and everything's super professional and everything videos are amazing and everything's you know it's it's kind of guaranteed with the quality of the songwriting as well as guaranteed success so Aww. yeah you must so we hope you come back to me in a couple of years and and do another episode <laughs> but we've just got chad here so let's let oh, him in nice let him in yeah hello chad how are we doing whoa whoa that's a professional setup we're we're in outer space now yeah yeah that's that's a good vibe yeah I've got it cool we're on it and then my computer started acting all buggy so i've been cramming for the best in this trying to make sure the computer would be working for us nice. no worries because you're a, you've got you're a podcast machine as well chad right is it... <laughs> machine is a bit i'm i'm the the mouthpiece of the machine but but yeah so actually i was just coming in to to record an intro the the intro for our first episode of season five and wow five seasons five entire seasons it's like over 400 episodes yeah oh probably not quite there oh okay i have no idea how many episodes but certainly like let's see here it's probably closer to probably closer to like 87 between like 65 and 80 episodes um okay. at this point so yeah Okay, well, yeah, you've got a, a gold mine to talk about tonight. Today is because with all the, with all those blog articles well, as well. And, yeah, I mean, there's so there's so much. Each one of them is a song. Every episode is a song. Every blog article is a song. So, wow. yeah, yeah, we've got no, enough well, inspiration. <laughs> this would be great. Now, Jack, where where are you calling in from? I'm in Italy. Italy, just just yeah. down the road. Just. <laughs> and Paul is in Sweden. And Paul yeah. is in Sweden. Yeah. Incredible. I'm in Sweden. I'm uh, born and raised here, still living here, um, enjoying it, besides for the endless winter. But uh, yeah, it's incredible. last uh, winter months now. So get right it. on. And I'm, I'm right down, you know, just a quick jump from you guys down in Florida. We're, we're right next to, uh, to Mickey Mouse. So, so yeah. How is Florida doing now? It, it's kind of, it's cold for, for me. But but I'm sure it's a, a brisk, you know, spring day for, for you, Paula. But yeah, so it's normally I'm so bad at, at Celsius to Fahrenheit, but it's, you know, 55 Fahrenheit. Well, I, I think I've got an idea. Yeah. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. So right on. Are we waiting for anyone else? Is it just going to be us three? It's us. Love yes. it. So we need to be inspired for us. Paula needs sorry paula needs to be inspired for a song here and yeah i think she, i think she is ready almost ready it just needs to finishing <laughs> touches of, of fairy dust Incredible. from your deluxe tones awesome yeah well totally happy to to kick this off in whatever way makes sense jack are you from pod songs or are you on on team paula i'm on pod team pods <laughs> okay cool, cool cool yeah so I'm the host, but Paula is going to interview you because she, she is the, the, the guest artist. Tonight. I love it. I love it. Well, 
Yeah, let me get uh, one more sip of, of coffee. Well, so I'm the one who's supposed to lead this thing. It's funny, it's my first time on a podcast and this is what I'm doing. But I am very well prepared, I'd say. No, but Chad, I was just wondering, how old are you? I guess is my first question. Yeah, so I am 36. I had to do some math there, but yeah. obviously uh, these past couple years haven't felt like... It's looking good for 36. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I've been with the To Write Love on Our Arms team for, it'll be 14 years in May. Wow. So, so yeah, it's, it's been, been quite the, quite the journey, but I'm 36 years young and, you know, I'm going to try to double it. Let's, uh, let's get to 72. Absolutely. But how is it the, I've done some research on To Write Love on Our Arms and I think it seems like a really interesting project. Because it seems like you guys aren't just doing online stuff. You're also out on like, sorry, I, I was just talking to Jack before about how I start thinking in, in Swedish and talking in English, and then it becomes very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think in Swedish. Festival. Oh, so Festivals. Which That's what I was trying to say. Which... <laughs> Chad's American. I mean, he's... Uh, yeah. no, but you're out on festivals and stuff, and um, like, what what does a day in on your job look like? What what do you mainly do? Yeah, totally. So just to make sure we're all on the same page, so as an organization, to write love on our arms exists to present hope and find help for anyone struggling with mental health challenges like depression, addiction, self injury, suicide, and over the years we've expanded that into eating disorders, disordered eating anxiety, post-traumatic stress, really anything that you are experiencing and you think, man, I, I really could use some help with this. We're there to connect the dots. We're there to try to point you in the direction of ideally local and affordable options for hope, for help, for treatment, for recovery. So uh, like you mentioned, we, we try to be wherever people naturally come together the internet being a great place to start. But our hope, like I mentioned, is connecting more people tangibly, physically to more people. So we found a, a really safe place, a, a sort of home in the world of live music. So in years where travel is a bit more open, when we're not battling a, a global health crisis, we try to show up as many places as possible. That's some of the, the largest music festivals across North America. That's speaking at universities. That's um, speaking in grade schools. That's trying to interact with corporations. Like I said, you know, so much of our life is spent in the presence of other people. So we want to be in the middle of that too. Not to bring up necessarily anything that you haven't already thought about, but to say that mental health conversations are welcome wherever we show up. This is a part of, of health. This is a part of our identity, of our existence. So we're there just to uh, hopefully move, move that conversation a bit more forward with a bit more compassion. Well, that seems quite amazing, if I may say so. I mean, that's what we need, I feel, to, to be there in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm a lot on TikTok and right now something that's been happening is that the stigma around mental health has been loosening up a lot on, on the platform, which I think is something so great. 
and so important. And I'm just so happy to be there in that movement. And yeah, I mean, comment and support people and what they're going through. And I also feel like there are so many important conversations being held on the platform about where we are in life and accepting how we feel and all those things. Because I mean, also most of the people on the platform are teenagers and I'm an age where a lot of that stuff can be very difficult. And I just think it's kind of beautiful that people are doing it together in a safe place because it can feel like a little bit more distant when it's not you in the room, but like you through a screen, which also obviously in some cases can be negative when, when you have that extra step because you feel safe to write things that you shouldn't really write. But that's a whole other conversation. Absolutely. But I think you hit on something important there, that that idea of stigma and how people are interacting with that stigma now. Uh, I'm sure for, you know, for example, the way that that Jack and I were taught to deal with mental health challenges, a lot of it was keep it inside. Don't, Don't share that. That will create distance between you and someone else. And we're seeing younger generations through the advent of social media and perhaps even through the experience of this pandemic where we already feel this distance between ourselves. And this is an opportunity to lessen that distance, to, to say, actually, there's way more that we have in common. Like today was a bad day. Who else had a tough day today? Raise your hand. And, and you see people say, yeah, like I, I relate to that. So where I was kind of bred into this society that said, don't open up too much. That'll scare people off. We're seeing more people say, actually opening people up is what brings more people together, which, which is beautiful. And certainly, you know, comes with its own set of challenges. I, I dare say that your story is something that's sacred. You deserve to, to share that with people and in places where you're going to feel heard. Don't just shout it out into the universe, but be sure that there's a backboard. Be sure that there's some walls to get that echo centered on on some ears and some shoulders and some hopefully eye contact that can help you navigate that hard day or help you navigate that great day that every day you share is a day worth sharing it's interesting that you're saying like social media can be such a good thing because i've heard a lot of people struggling with depression because of social media so it's sure. good that it can actually mm-hmm. help yeah yeah that's that's such a difficult conversation to have because yeah social media is so much and i mean just looking at screen time it's 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 a huge part of your life by now you know the, the time that you spend on these platforms and i think that you can't really deny it anymore it's something that we're going to have to deal with and live with and of course there's always going to be upsides and downsides to everything in life and yeah one thing that i think is so nice with it is is all the connections that you make and that how much easier it can be you know interacting on social media i don't know if you've ever felt this but like there are so many people that i like follow on instagram because they're like a friend of a friend and then like i'll comment on all their stuff and like hype them up but then like when i see them like in real life i'll just go and hide because i'm scared say hi like it, it, it breaks so and I feel like yeah it creates this environment I'm where we're able to sorry was you uh there was a little delay there yeah I think I think I, I got the, 
Okay. Oh, you're still a little delayed. We got you now, though. It's just a little pause. You got me now? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what's going on. Oh, okay. Well, I'm back. Well, either way, with, with social media, I'm happy to see the positive sides of it. But, yeah, of course, we also see the kids who are growing up with it. And sometimes you can wonder what it does to boundaries. You know, growing up thinking that it's totally okay to comment on someone. Haha, what the that are you wearing and of course like bullying has always existed but the way it's not monitored anymore because mm. parents just can't deal with it i don't know chad is that something that you see like with with kids and social media um totally totally yeah and like i mentioned earlier uh, i've been with this organization for quite some time but but the organization itself we're going to be turning 16 uh in about two months you know and that's uh, that's really an age of kind of a, a rite of passage in the United States. That's where young adults start learning how to drive unsupervised <laughs> and they're starting to think about uh, university and they're starting to think about maybe career paths. And, you know, so we've had this opportunity to grow up with our audience. We we've seen virtually every single chapter of social media so far when this all began. It began as a story on MySpace, just really an, an attempt to help a friend and tell her story. And that lived on the virtually now defunct MySpace.com. And we rest just kept, peace. yeah, rest in peace. It, it had a good run. But, but we're, we kept asking the question, where are people going now? Where, where do people uh, get their news from? Where do people get their entertainment from? Where do people learn about music? Where do, where do people find some sense of belonging? And that led us to Facebook and Twitter, now to TikTok. We've been in Tumblr. We've been all over the place. And you are so right, Paula, that we've been able to see both the best and the worst that the internet has to offer. That again, like growing up without social media for most of my life, I you know, bullying, I always knew the name and the face of my bully. I probably knew where my bully lived. So if I wanted to avoid close geographically, physically to that bully, I knew how to keep myself safe. And, and the internet has made that more difficult. There are good people that also use social media too. And this is in no way trying to minimize the experience of people that have really felt beat down through computer screens, through phone screens. But we have seen people rise to the occasion to make sure that those that have a rough go at it feel less alone. Not that we can silence every negative voice, but at least we can combat it with some truths, some things that we've forgotten along the way. So, so yeah, like this is, so much of of what we're doing ironically in trying to care for younger demographics younger people group we're having to rely on these younger people to be our teachers that they get to show us what they would like to see what they would like to hear how they're gonna carry on these conversations like i mentioned earlier paula you brought up a, a great point with this idea of stigma and in my mind stigma is whenever silence becomes the loudest voice in a conversation. 
when the things that we believe to be true become our absolutes rather than what is actually true. So for us, I, I really don't know if ending depression is a realistic goal, but we can do our part to dismantle the stigma that leads us to believe that maybe we're meant to struggle alone or maybe no one cares. So we're there just to provide proof of the truth that you're not alone, that there are people that know exactly how you feel, that if there are 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet, that's potentially 7.7 .7 billion people to say, yeah, I felt that way too. So oftentimes the loudest voice in the room gets the most attention and it's easy to, you know, to, to gain the attention of people through just being mean, through, through cruelty, through this, this us versus them mindset. We're trying to approach it saying, look, if you're seeing the world through an us versus them lens, in our mind, there, there is no them. There, there is only us. So even, you know, even the, the folks that are propagating the hate, even the folks that are being the bullies, even the folks that are causing the pain, they've probably also felt some real pain. So we, we want to invite them into, you know, into this kind of freedom of vulnerability, this, this ability to, to, to rest well at the presence of other people, as opposed to seeing every moment as an opportunity to, to fight and to distance. Yeah. That was a lot of words. I, yeah. I, <laughs> no, there were a lot of interesting points. I was just thinking about which one to tap back into. Good, Lots of good song lyrics. Like silence oh. is the loudest voice in the room. That's... Yeah. Absolutely. Do you have too many copyright on these? Can we just use them, Chad? <laughs> oh, no. Waiver. <laughs> no, have, have, have at it. Anything that I'm, I'm saying here, you know, if you, if you need to bounce anything back towards us. Gold. Uh, Gold. It, oh, I appreciate that, my friend. So. So yeah, it's, I think a piece of it is, is talking about just vocabulary is so much of interacting with mental health is, is the hope of expanding our emotional vocabulary that when you interact with someone, Paula or, or Jack, and we've been conditioned to ask, Hey, how are you doing today? And we expect the response to be, okay, I'm fine. I'm good. And then that kind of begs the question, okay, but how are you really? And maybe they do say good. Well, let's have a follow-up question there too. What kind of good are you? Are you excited about a new opportunity? Are you just content? Did you see the most beautiful sunrise today? And, and that's got you hopeful. Like, tell me about your good. Tell me about your bad. Can we ascribe more feelings to these words? Can we dive a little bit deeper? And and so much of conversation around mental health and just around people is, is stifled from us not knowing enough good words. So that's where music steps in. That's where poetry steps in. That uh, you, if, we're, if you're only watching you know, cartoons your entire life, then it's going to be hard to relate to the world outside of cartoons, their language, their emotions, their their lack of nuance, everything is extreme. But as we dip our toe into the more poetic, into the more gray, into the more nuanced forms of art, then we can expand our own vocabulary, our own lens, our own sense of self 
So, so yeah, like so much of this is, is about pushing back on what's simple. Depression, addiction, self-injury, suicide, they, they thrive where there's a lack of conversation. Where there's a lack of conversation, there's going to be a lack of learning. There's going to be a lack of new words. There's going to be a lack of new perspectives. So if isolation is really the enemy here, then community is going to be the solution. So our, our hope is to create more conversation and conversation requires more than one person, right? <laughs> like you need, uh, you need an artist and you need an audience. You need a storyteller and you need the story listeners. You need a professor and you need a, a classroom. Like uh, everything that is worth experiencing really demands a, a receiving end to, to whatever's being told. Yeah, absolutely. I never thought of that. The lyrics add to vocabulary like that. That's really interesting. Yeah. Honestly, neither had I until this conversation. So <laughs> kidding. Because you said in another podcast that you don't need a degree to be a friend. Mm. But it sounds like to be a poet helps. It, it certainly helps. But even then, you, you look at some of the greatest poetic minds. One of my favorite novels out there is, is Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. And if you, oh, that's I mean, cheerful. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, <laughs> if you've got a friend, you can make one. You can make one. <laughs> but so obviously a bit of a macabre start to this story. But I, the, the thing I love about that story is that it started as a group of friends hanging out one weekend and just daring each other to write the next best story. So all of these friends who came to the same place went, they scattered throughout this cabin to write out the story that they thought would be the most compelling story. And maybe it was even like, right, the scariest story, whatever it was, it was, hey, we're going to, we're going to challenge each other here. And we're going to give some peer review here. We're going to bounce this off each other. And, you know, we, we get a, 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 a literary great from it. And, you know, maybe this doesn't make the, the, the final edit of, <laughs> of the podcast because we're talking about Frankenstein in the month of January, but it's all relevant. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah. that is always relevant. Come on. But, like. but even, even then you look at the, the greatest philosophers, they're basing their thoughts on their teachers. And you, you think of science, like we are learning more about science, not pulling it out of thin air, but basing it on what others had taught us along the way. It's just pushing it a little bit more forward. And, and maybe like it's, that is the, the goal of mental health is, is not to find an answer to this, but to learn how to ask some better questions in the presence of people that we trust with those questions. And so yeah. just keep advancing in a bit more forward because there's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be heartache. That's the cost of being human. But can we find better ways to resolve conflicts, internal and external? And I say, yes, but that's going to require other people. I love that idea of questions. I feel like, yeah, absolutely. That's something that is driving conversation and also understanding the people around you and where they are. And yeah, that's absolutely something so important. The questions, how we ask them, how, if, how inviting they are. Um, yeah, like you were talking about the, how are you? I mean, are you really inviting to, to understand 
how someone really is doing. Mm. Um, yeah. And especially because it's always changing, like you say, different mediums, different, different, maybe different problems, you know, as the society changes. So, but maybe it's the same solution throughout the ages, this conversation. Or, or at least uh, if it's not the same solution, then it will have the same ingredients. And, you know, we, we can dabble with what order and, and what proportions to, to put them in. But, but again, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, people are, are going to be ingredient number one, that it's never been expected or required of you to get through life alone. We, we are social creatures. We, in no small way, we need you. I need you. I've said this from stage for, for years, but the reality is ever since you, Paula, or you, Jack, came into existence, ever since you entered the scene, this global scene, I've never experienced a day without you. Now, we're just meeting for the first time, but for all I know, this world needed you in order to keep spinning. I've never lived a day without you. And I don't care to learn about what that day may look like without you. So I think we got a good thing going. Let's, let's keep it. <laughs> let's keep it going. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. You should write yeah. poetry, no? You should. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I write blogs uh, that are a bit more poetic. So that's, uh. Well, yeah. But I just, I just like that idea. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I'm, I keep referencing TikTok. I've stopped doing that. I read about, like, yeah, I saw a TikTok about it. Uh, <laughs> oh, the new funny. generation. Yeah, I know, right? But it's funny because, like, anytime I'm in a conversation and, and they say, like, yeah, I read this thing about another, you saw TikTok. Yeah, I saw TikTok. <laughs> but, like, yeah, but every time you scroll, it's like, am I going to see this person again? I don't know, but do I care about them? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it can be so overwhelming how there are so many people and still we want all of them to coexist forever. I feel like that's something that's so true to humanity that we just want this exact moment to last forever, every single moment, even if it's the worst moment ever. Clinging on to that. Except when you don't. But yeah. But I was also wondering... Because you, you said that you started working with eating disorders. And that's something that I've been, as I was weird, about working with a lot in my project. Because my first single is called What Are You Hungry For? And that's a song that I wrote to one of my best friends who's going through an eating disorder. And it's a song about watching someone going through that. And, and that struggle that it can be. Because what eating disorders do to some, I mean, obviously not everyone, it's it's different to everybody but to her you know eating up someone literally mm -hmm. like uh, all, all their hopes and dreams and everything this person wanted to be just became this blob of calories and mm -hmm. uh, counting and and that's something that's sadly become such a usual issue and problem in in my generation and especially in girls but also boys in in my age and that's something that's so hard because um on tiktok there's kind of oh, tiktok 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 uh, <laughs> but, but there's become this issue where like people start talking about it and their experiences but then they start triggering each other because they're not healthy yet and and they're posting about what they're 
eating in a day and recovery, but actually that's not a healthy meal. And now you're triggering somebody, but you're having the conversation, but you're making someone feel bad about what they were eating. And then it just becomes this like whole thing where everyone's putting a trigger warning over everything they post. And I just think it's, it's such a difficult situation because obviously if you're going through something, you have to talk about it. And talking about it opens up, but but how, what do you do when when this whole like triggering each other situation? No, I, I think to bring it back to the world of of literature, yeah, it's so important to acknowledge posture and tone, and and certainly audience. We we were talking about audience just a little bit ago, but what I would share with my wife is different than what I would share with someone that I met at a festival for the first time. They mo- they may both ask me the exact same question, but there is a level of access that I've had to learn. You know, we we were, I, th- I believe earlier talking about the idea of boundaries as as well, but just because you have the access to share your story to the wide world is that a responsible use of your energy? Is that the best way to honor your story as it's unfolding? Um, and I don't know the exact, you know, mental health landscape in Europe, but as it as it relates to addictions, and and that's everything from alcohol to to opiates to narcotics, and even on into behavioral health, like eating disorders, we have these groups that we call 12-step groups. So Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, uh, AA, NA, there's Overeaters Anonymous. There's a bunch of these networks of people who they come together to support one another, to work through different frameworks on how you can stay clean, on how you can keep one foot in front of the other, and how you can keep advancing your story. But even then, they are doing this under the understanding that this room is just for us in the room, that anything discussed here is not for people that didn't show up here, but we know who's in the room and we're gonna keep those identities um, anonymous when we are outside the room because you deserve the time and the space and the, the freedom to work through this without feeling like you're, you're judged or feeling like people are looking at you differently. I say all that to to say this, that with social media, you don't always know who your audience is going to be. Even if you have a set list of followers, unless you have a private account, anyone can access this. And, and I wouldn't trust everyone in the world with my story. I, I feel like I a huge part of my journey, a huge part of my recovery was me being able to pick the battles that I know I can win. That That is sharing my story with people that I know will be allies and not enemies to my story. So yeah, I think it is one thing to talk about things that often aren't talked about, these taboo subjects like addiction and eating disorders and self-injury. But it's another thing to talk about these topics appropriately. And that doesn't mean just the right words, but I think it means having the right amount of time to talk about it. TikTok is is quick, right? Social media is quick that you mentioned earlier, Paula, that you can 
scroll through something and never find that person again. Like they, they appeared on your screen for a brief moment, but just see, even thinking about Instagram, our stories only last for 24 hours and then they're gone. Like that, that's not how I understand stories. Stories to me is something that I, that I consume and become a piece of my identity, that my favorite stories remind me of something true about myself. So I think in some ways, we've forgotten the power of stories because we've confused it with just content. So a story is going to be something that's invitational, that says, I want to see the next chapter. I agree on what happened last chapter, and I'm hoping to see what happens in the next, that I'm in it for the duration of the story not just for these 24 hours, not just for these 15 seconds, not just for a giggle here or a tear there, but this is gonna be ideally something that can be a part of me. Now, I don't have the space in my heart or my head for 7.7 .7 billion stories, but I can choose who I let into mine and I can prove to myself that I'm a consistently caring person so that when someone invites me into theirs, I can show up in an impactful way. So shit, keep, keep making content. Keep, keep sharing your life on social media. But be sure that you have some deeper ground to, to root in in the lives of other people. That what's meant for one person doesn't need to be for everyone. And vice versa. What's meant for everyone Maybe we can just let everyone have that, but I'll be hanging around for the piece that that is meant for me. It must be so difficult though, because you're trying to make, if you make an, a piece that really people really connect with, then you feel like you've got to come up with another one. And then I've got to go deeper. I've got to, what material do I have? I have my life. I put up mm. another bit of my life. I get more likes. I get more reaction, put up another piece. I, that's, that's tough. Well, isn't it so weird that just in the past 15 years, have we been able to really quantify what impact, what personal impact means? That, you know, if I were to get into a time machine and just go back to my high school years, and if I'm sitting at the lunch table and a friend makes a joke, and if I said, wow, you know, I bet that'd be worth 350 likes, I'll say, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what are these likes? And, oh, well, likes are how we prove that you said something good or relatable. And they're like, wow, well, you know, actually I get that through eye contact and through an audible laugh <laughs> and, and through hearing that same joke be repeated in the hall next period, you know? So it's, uh, we've, but now we, we have, we have a point system for what matters but we don't even know what these points are really worth, right? <laughs> like there, there is no winning in, in this. It's just, you collect numbers, numbers that, you know, I, it, something that I posted last week, I don't even remember. Like, and so it's, it, it's all, it's all, if we're not careful, very fleeting and very surface level, but and there, there's just so much, I don't need to convince y'all of this, but I mean, life is, you, a life well lived is gonna go below the surface. You think about, you know, even tattoos, 
a good tattoo is one that that will stay despite uh, a scrape on your arm. You know that 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 tattoo will be deep enough to to stand the test of time. A tattoo will outlive a sunburn when you start peeling. That tattoo is still there. So we get very distracted by the immediate and the most easily accessible, but the things worth really sharing are, are going to have to be a little bit deeper. Yeah. I was also wondering, because you've talked a bit about, you know, when you grew up and how, how things were then. And one thing that I think is so, I guess, interesting and important is, is this whole thing about macho culture that, that a lot of boys are still growing up in. And I, I've met it a lot, but, but as a woman, it can be hard to understand, you know, the, the, the level of it and, and how deeply rooted it can be in, in boys and men, this macho culture and the macho system of don't show your feelings and how does that affect mental health and how much harder does it get to seek the help when, when you've never done that before? In, in your home and in your, yeah. It's, yeah, it, there's so, so many layers to it. And Absolutely. Yeah, it's a super, of course, it's a super difficult question. You know, if, if toxic masculinity was an Olympic sport, I, I'd say that there'd be no, there'd, there'd be no lack of competition out there. I'd say that this is something that in in my American context, I can see day in and day out, but I know that it's not limited to just my my continent, not just to my country. I think it is in the Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> that actually is the Olympics. <laughs> it's the whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but you're right. You're right. And I think, you know, the way you break the cycle is, is by... Well, there, there's this old proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. That we can't undo anything and we can't redo anything in the past to affect our present. But we can make choices now that will affect the landscape next year, next decade, next lifetime. And, and I think it, at some point, Acknowledging the pain that we all feel has to result in action today. So, and that doesn't have to be like sweeping governmental change. In fact, I, I'd say it, it can't be that. It needs to be something that is passed on individually from person to person. Um, my, my nephew was just in town from five states away, from 800 miles away. My sister and, and my nephew came down for a soccer tournament and we had time after that tournament to, to have some dinner, to share a meal, to spend some time together with family members that I don't often talk about. And in the wake of this conversation, somehow we wind up on talking about mental health. And I don't think I'd ever had an honest discussion with my nephew about my mental health journey. and. I made the decision in that moment, I'm not going to shy away from any questions that I'm going to show my nephew what it looks like to question my own 
you know, my own existence, my own sense of health. I, I told him point blank, like, you know, thank you for, for existing Caleb, because when you were three, you were the motivation I needed to take steps away from self-injury. And, and he was like, really? I'm like, yeah, like when you were younger, 15 years ago, I had a real problem with, with self-injury and you were my motivation to get help. I don't know if he has any other male role models in his life. I hope he does, but I don't know if he has any other men in his life that show vulnerability on that, that level to say, thank you for existing. And I went through a really hard time and actually you were a piece of the solution. I didn't have to figure it out all by myself. And I'm so thankful for that, that I had other people, whether they knew it or not, that were encouraging me to make better choices and, and to practice self-care. So I, I mentioned that to say like, what a shame that it took me 15 years to, to thank my nephew. But also that gives me the courage to continue sharing with other young men as I grow that you can be successful and you, you can, you, you can move on past a, a painful part in your story and you don't have to keep that a secret, but, but you can invite other people, other people in. So, you know, a, a macho person, a macho man is by definition, a, a really lonely man. So our, our hope is, is just to, you know, put down the, put down the weights and, and, and open up your arms, invite some, some friends to, to help you out. Like you, you don't have to carry all your baggage by yourself. And that impresses no one. What's impressive is knowing your limits and knowing that there's going to be other people to help you carry whatever it is you're carrying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I feel like, yeah, we were, Jack and I were talking about feminism earlier, and I feel like that the female side is the obvious side that we're always discussing, but, but this whole macho culture, I mean, I've, I've always seen it, but I feel like that's something that you're never going to understand the growing up and being told, you know, you shouldn't talk about your emotions because that's something so bluntly obvious that of course, when you feel things, that's a reaction to something you have to debunk it. And, mm. and what that does to human to, you know, grow up in that mindset and what that does to the people around that human, you know, it's, it's such, yeah, obviously it's a really complex question, but it's, it's something that I'm never going to understand. I think how, how deeply rooted it can be in, in people. I mean, just, I mean, I know guys who tell me that I haven't cried in three years. You haven't cried in three years. I cried last night, you know, like it's, it's just so, so insane. How I, I just think they're, they're dehydrated then, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe they're very hydrated. Because maybe they're they overhydrated. Don't, yeah, yeah, they don't leak anything, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, that's why they have so luscious skin. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so, such a weird situation. 
that that's and also that it's implemented in so many cultures i mean you were talking about how i don't know how it is in europe but yeah same thing you know it and how how could that happen i was i was just reflecting on on this quote the other day by by an author named c.s lewis and uh and he said to love it all is to be vulnerable love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken if you want to make sure of keeping it intact you must give it to no one not even an animal wrap it carefully around with hobbles and little or hobbies and little luxuries avoid all entanglements lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness but in that casket safe dark motionless airless it will change it will not be broken it will become unbreakable impenetrable irredeemable to love it all is to be vulnerable and and i think that that is so much of of what keeps us distant is this fear of of being hurt if we open people up but what is what is the the opposite what is the the inverse of that if we get so practiced and not being vulnerable and not opening up and not crying, then there will come a time where we can't cry, where we can't open up, where we can't fully love. And it's, uh, I, I will take the embarrassment of, of crying on a stage or in a movie theater or over a coffee, over a story that breaks my heart, over not having the faculties to access that sense of, of love, that sense of interconnectedness. And, and yeah, like it, it's almost like you can't just convince someone to get to that point. You can't argue your way into, into having them see your way. So I think the struggle is on the people that have had that, that, that epiphany, the people that have seen that veil lifted, the people that see the value and vulnerability of just continuing to be present for those people. And, and when you see a breakthrough, encouraging that, inviting that, telling them to lean into that, not shaming them, not saying, man, like, why did it take you so long to get here? But just say, hey, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And nurturing, you know, like we, we live in such a, a shame dominant culture maybe that's where that toxic masculinity really comes from is this this fear of shame so what if we can flip the script so that a reaction to vulnerability is not one of shame but one of of applause of that is so beautiful to see you feel this that it's such a privilege to to be present as you process this moment like what that's something that I wouldn't I wouldn't trade and and I don't want to discourage it but yeah you gotta <laughs> we're <laughs> maybe we don't know if we're dehydrated or overhydrated but but I do say that we were consistently malnourished that we we keep consuming things that don't actually feed us so it's about time that, that, you know, we, we open up that menu a bit more, that, that we find a sense of validation, a sense of, of unconditional care.
and as I'm saying this to y'all, I'm definitely saying it to myself, you know, the times that, that I can be more care filled on behalf of other people that I interact with, the extending compassion, extending grace. And as I get better at doing that to myself, then, then that's going to overflow onto other people. Emotionally yeah. malnourished. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, then I guess I'm overnourished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, I broke that. Not broke. That's very dramatic of me. I messed up my knee in Paris last week. And it's, you know, I was I was at theater, which is like, people ask like, oh, how did it happen? I was at theater. I sat weird. You know, like, I'm 18. I should be able to sit weird for two hours. But it didn't. And then, like, I walked a ton in it and then just got worse and worse. And, like, you know, I was so upset and I was telling everyone about it and I was, like, crying about it. And it was like, uh, and we were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I also have knee problems. I haven't been able to perform my sport for two years. And I'm like, oh God, I'm over dramatic. <laughs> but yeah, but this whole thing about you know emotions and how intact you are with them I feel like just as a songwriter a lot of the things that I do is just unpacking my emotions oh you need mm. the material I mean yeah yeah I mean like I walk into the studio like if I have an argument with my boyfriend like there will be five songs about it like oh. it can be like it can be like he didn't clean the room and I'll write five songs about how he doesn't care about me like like you you unpack every single little thing so so much that you 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 become so intact with your feelings and and you also kind of become i hobby psychiatrist i guess when you're writing for others but yeah that whole thing about like having your emotions on you so that you can just oh let's write about this today it it's a blessing and a curse because it makes i think it makes you experience your life in a very focused sense, which I think is beautiful. And you want to be there always for, for all the moments, but it can also, yeah, talking about the <laughs> nourished and the nourished when it comes to your connections with your emotions. I just can't imagine the other side, I guess, of, of, of what happens when you don't listen, when, when you never unpack. Because, I mean, yeah, that's an issue that I have sometimes that I've been unpacking too much. And then I'm just standing there doubting if any of my friends are my friends. Like, it can kind of become absurd uh, in mm -hmm. the end. Um, Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think yeah. like even, even in sharing, like, I don't know how much of what I'm sharing is relatable. Like, there's something relatable there. Yeah. That, yeah. that I, like, as a musician, you're not to speak entirely for your experience, I would imagine that as a musician, your hope is to write something where someone else feels seen, feels heard. Yeah. Feels cared sure. for. I mean, Paula and Jack, you know, think about your favorite artist. Think about your favorite song. Think about your favorite album. It's probably your favorite because there was something that happened to that artist in that song on that album that you said, I didn't know anyone else felt this way. Like this this is someone narrating my life. It turns into 
Paul, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Jack, maybe you have, but like the Truman Show, when you are convinced that there's someone else kind of watching you and, and that's, that's beautiful to feel that sense of being known to that, to that level. So I think that that's probably something that as a musician, you're, you're chasing constantly is what can I write to help someone else feel less alone or more happy or more validated or you, you name it. Maybe it's specific to your significant other not cleaning up the dishes. Like, can I write something that says, yeah, it's okay to be pissed off about this and then let that occupy three minutes and 30 seconds I, I'd want to make and we can move on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And I guess like, that's, that's something that I've experienced as a listener that a lot of the times, basically to me, like songwriting, you're, you're pitching an emotion. It's like, have you ever felt this? Wait, let me tell you all the ways you can feel it. And then in the bridge, I'm going to specify it a bit more. And then the chorus, it's going to be super obvious. And then in the verse, I'm going to be a bit more detailed. But, but it's, it's interesting because, you know, generally the songs that do the most well, I guess, are the ones that are the most blunt. Like, have you ever felt happy? Let's go dance. Like, yeah, I have. Uh, and I guess to me, like a challenge has been, or a challenge that I've given myself, but it, is you know trying to like what's the most unique experience i can write about and i guess that's what it comes from you know wanting to support everyone through their very weird situations that they might be in i mean i've written songs i wrote a song about a girl running away from her abusive boyfriend just because i wanted to write about the situation i've never done that but what would happen? What would I feel? What if I was the abuser? What would I sing then? Like all those different contexts and, and I guess soundtracking experiences. I, I just think that it's, it's such an amazing art. And it also surprises me how, I guess, how people just write about this when you can write about this. Yeah. Yeah, I I reckon that that is a, a balance. Mm -hmm. You know, the you you can go to the top of the charts singing about nothing, but you can change a life by singing about something very specific. That you know, if you turn on any top forty, and yeah, those are going to be songs that I'm going to remember. I'll be able to hum along to thirty years from now. But the songs that that made me think, the songs that I put on repeat to to make sure I got all the lyrics right, to make sure I heard what was said, that that I even dissect who was singing what line at what time. Why did they use strings here? Why did the percussion get louder? Why did they back off and, and make that bridge uh, a cappella? Like what what was really driving this song? Those are the ones that I get you know tattoos about. <laughs> and, and what's and the I, motive yeah. right right like the the when when you can get beyond the party and get into into you know kind of the well the podcasting closet when when you can just put on those headphones and and feel like you are sharing this space and this moment with the artist and think you know like 
that's that's me too. This that that encourages my sense of creativity. That's that's when I call up a coworker and say, "Have you heard this song? What did that make you feel?" Because I felt this way when I listened to it. Like top 40 is going to be shared regardless of your passion or not. But the songs that are about something that requires again that audience, that conversation, that give and take, that my favorite songs are songs that my friends showed me, not ones that I just turned on the radio and I heard one day, but the song felt like a gift because it came from someone I trusted at a time that I needed it. And, and that doesn't get skipped. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't get passed over on my playlist. That's something that's returned to. Yeah, I like that. That's a song that I don't skip. Yeah, there are those songs. It's like, oh yeah, damn it. This was the song I was going to play, <laughs> but I'm not going to switch. It has to end first. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, I guess so. Uh, the whole aspect of music and mental health and conversation, um, it's it's always difficult when you're in it to know if there's actually anything that ever happens. And also, you know, me being, I guess, a COVID artist, I, I never released anything before this situation. I never performed my music live. All I know is social media as an artist. It can be hard to to actually see like is is there an impact being made? But I'm hoping at some point there will be. Yeah. But what what a beautiful and a beautiful moment where even though you you don't have this history of artistry to lean back on, you're leaning into this bigger hope this this hope that will outlive the virus this hope that will outlive this podcast this hope that that there is something that is yet to be said and there are people who are yet to hear it like that that to me is perhaps a definition of hope that that you you keep creating until everything lines up like you're you're waiting for the moment where everything lines up and and yeah again just I'm, I'm just so filled with gratitude for this conversation for for you following your desire to connect to more people jack for for setting this up and and to have this vision that you know songs can can mean something songs can 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 have a, a deeper purpose and it and Paula, you said that you're 18. Yeah. Like what, a, what another super hopeful moment that we we're we're having this conversation through time that what you're experiencing is something that, that I continue to experience even having, you know, twice as many years on, on the planet as, as you. And that's, that's something we're celebrating that that we can have this conversation through so many different lenses yeah i don't know man like i'm just just so grateful like i two years ago when the pandemic started i never thought that i would be in the podcast world either you know and uh, and it led led us here it, it led us to 
the threshold of, of something that I think will continue to impact more people. So yeah, I don't know, man, like obviously these past two years have sucked, but, but if it led to, to this, then, then I'll take it, you know? Yeah. So I was, I was stuck on, you said you were double my age and I counted you are exactly double my age. That's quite impressive. I, I, I'm normally really bad at numbers, but I, I just kind of said it and, and I was hoping I was right. So it's exactly I, right. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. But yeah, think beautiful words. I was just stuck on there counting. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. And thank you for joining this. I, I actually learned a lot listening to you. Right on. Now, Paula, had, had you or, or Jack, I, I'd be curious to hear from both of you. Had you heard of To Write Love on Our Arms before this opportunity came up? No. No. Yeah. So we have had a couple opportunities to, to go through Europe. But it's obviously been uh, a little bit since since we got there. But you know, we we know that these issues and these challenges are not specifically American, and they're not specifically Caucasian, and they're not specifically you know for for any age group. Like these are challenges that relate to to people. So. So yeah, I, I think this is a really awesome way to show how how one topic, it being mental health, can take us to Sweden as as a late teenager, through Italy, through podcast professionalism, back to the United States and, and how we engage with music. And so it's yeah, it, it it, it will never cease to amaze me how mental health challenges have a way of making us feel alone, but this is proof of how universal these questions are and thereby how universal hope is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it, it was funny when, when you asked about Europe, I guess. That what where we all have the same problems. It's it's also interesting to compare the needs in America compared to the needs in in Europe because I mean as we all know the healthcare system is a whole different thing. But there's still the need to to you know have something to reach out to and and get the help to connect. Where do I go? Yeah. Where can I talk to someone? Where can I call? I mean, for example, in Sweden, we have this organization called BRIS, the, the Rights to Children in Society. And, and I mean, when I have younger people DM me about things that they're going through, because that's something that happens when, when you're a creator, um, which, which I am so thankful for, to, you know, having people trust me in that sense. But you know that you can refer to that when when there are kids. But when people are older, it can be difficult. You know, who who do I tell you to call? Because I'm not a I'm not a psychiatrist. I I'm not I'm not the one who's, who's supposed to help you. But I can I can bring you there, and I can support you. And I think that yeah, these organizations like to write love on our arms are. It's it's such a beautiful bridge to have that too. Yeah, 
go here. I, I trust them. They will help you. Mm. They will bring you to the help that you need and uh, maybe a solution also, which I think is so beautiful that that exists. So thank you for doing that. No, well, we're, we're in it together. So I'm, I'm happy to, to, to call you all teammates in this. And so where can people find more information about To Write Love on Our Arms? Absolutely. So we are on this thing called the internet. If you go to TWLOHA.com, you can learn all about us, how to support us, how to care for your friends and, and family during some, some tough times. We have a number of resources, blogs, podcasts, you name it. We, we have, we're, we're there to be not a destination, but, but hopefully to be a bridge to continue to connect more people to more people. Beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thanks very much, Chad. It's been a real pleasure. Hey, right back at you guys. I, I, I know I started the conversation of saying good morning. What, what time <laughs> is it where, where you guys are? So we're in Central European time zone. So that means that right now it's, yeah, it's uh, half past six. Oh, it's, it's dinner time. Yeah. Gonna get dinner now. <laughs> go, we'll go do that. Thank you for You're giving me an appetite. Connected to you. Yeah, of course, of course. And we will see you whenever it's time to reconnect. Yeah, yeah, we'll send you a song. We're gonna work on a song now and to encapsulate this conversation. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, Jack, Paula. You have a great day. Bye -bye. Thank you. You too. Enjoy your, the rest of your day. You have a longer day ahead of you. Lo long day ahead of me. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an hour from sleeping, you know, it's, uh, it's done now. <laughs> I'm in my pajamas too. Yeah. And good for Perfect. you as, as you should be. As you should. As you should. Absolutely. Well, take care. Bye y'all. Well, Paula, are you inspired? I am. Fantastic. Should be. <laughs> I am inspired. It's. It's been a fun conversation. So many um, points of views. It's funny. I never started the session this way. I always start sessions by talking, but maybe not with an additional head in that way. <laughs> no, when that's given you that you know this inspiration, and also for reading the blog articles, and yeah, one of the things that I found most connected was that people thought they were not enough. Mm. Yeah, people. People seem to. I'll, I'll stop lurking. I'll let you guys uh, okay, yeah. continue it. <laughs> but but y'all have an awesome one. Thank you so much. You too. Bye, Bye Chad. Yeah, I, was, I was saying that, uh, yeah, people seem that they're not enough and that seems to be behind a lot of the problems, whether it becomes mm -hmm. what type of addiction, what type of self-harm, behavioral problems. Is, is this lack of, of feeling that, that you're enough, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's a weird situation thinking like that, that you're not enough because it creates all these, yeah, when, when your worth as a human isn't enough, when, how do you fill up that worth then? Because yeah. we don't know what the meaning of our existence is. So how do we know that we're enough? Yeah. And that can apply to somebody who's, who's somebody young or even an established superstar the head of a company, they can all just feel that they're, they're not enough. So. And also in what context you don't feel like you're enough. You can be doing amazing at work, but then you're an awful 
family member. Oh yeah, bad bad father or bad yeah bad bad parent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let, let's let it all settle in and stew down and ferment into a slum. Ferment. I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a real pleasure, Paula. So where can people find more about you and your music? More about me? Well, I'm also on this thing called the internet. And <laughs> no, but I know you're on TikTok. You know, I'm on TikTok. So there, my handle is Paula Givian Music. But you can also uh, check me out on Spotify. That's where the real gold is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I only have two songs out right now, though. Maybe there will be three when this is um, posted. I don't know how uh, postponed. Depends how quickly we do our song. So, yeah. But we can do it. I know, I know you don't like waiting with your songs. I know you like to <laughs> get them out there. So let's. Uh... Absolutely. Let's get it done. But yeah, I guess that's my main platforms. TikTok and Spotify. All right. I'll, I'll put links in the show notes. That's so awesome. People can... All right. Well, we'll chat later then. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. See you down and see you stuck. Can't get out of bed. Laugh it off, but it's not a joke. What's missing with your head? You see, it's hard to be living out in the way you wish you could. But I know it's not how you think. When you think you're really screwed You got things you're convinced you need Things you've got to be I lend a hand and I lend my eyes I wanna help you heal Cause all we need is all you are I want you to run free You were always beautiful And one day I hope you'll 